Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Full Quota Podcast. My name is Mpomutrani. I've got Tim with me, as always. We're a duo in this thing. We've been doing this for over six months now, over 50 episodes. And so the interesting thing about this week uh, was obviously South Africa winning um, that test match yesterday morning um, in dramatic, or well, not necessarily dramatic fashion, but it was dramatic because we had such a bad first test. And then they came back and bounced back like the coach uh, who, who, who's the, the guy who's their coach right now, Mark Boucher, that whole bounce back ability, that whole gritty thing coming through. And we'll talk about that. But before you do that, please do subscribe to our channel. Uh, we've got a Patreon account right now, so please do uh, go to patreon.com forward slash one world there. So I to just give us a little bit of support. We want to be in the stadium doing commentary. We want to be doing this on a much more full-time basis, and your contributions really do help us in getting us there. We also got some Women's World Cup coverage happening. So Africa starts with Bangladesh on Friday, Saturday morning. So please do uh, go onto our website, onewardonewsr.com, listen to us here on YouTube, uh, and let's support the ladies as they try to conquer the world. Uh, had some really uh, not so great warm-up matches, but hopefully um, they will get going at the right time. They play Bangladesh um, on Saturday. So it's going to be quite interesting to see how they handle all the spin. Tim, today we're talking review of the test series. We've got Adam with us um, to kind of give us what he thought of that test series. He did call 1-1, um, but Tim, you know, what, what are we expecting? Yes, um, so we, we had Adam on, on the, the pre preview of the series, so we thought it would be a good idea to bring him, bring him back, seeing as he predicted the correct uh, series mm. result and to give, to give his opinion on where, where New Zealand cricket is after that uh, rather interesting test series. Let's bring him on. Um, hi, Adam. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yes. So you called 1-1. One, one. Um, which test match did you expect New Zealand to win? Was it the first or the last? I, I, I guess the first one, when you think about like the South African team, when it had to come out of um, MIQ, mm. and, and they did look really rusty in that very, very first um, test. Like, to be honest, I was really surprised how much mm. Black Caps beat South Africa in that first test. Uh, I think I think we all were. Um, yes. To be bowled up, was it, I can't remember, 90-odd? 95. In the, in the first 90. innings. And then followed up with 111 in the second innings. You know, that's uncharacteristic of, of South African sides mm. who usually really fight hard. And they usually mm. don't get beaten so comprehensively. I, I think that, um, that really shocked uh, me, um, I thought that I thought that New Zealand would, would win probably the first match, but not 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 in that style. Um, that mm. really came to a shock to me, to be honest. Yeah. So we two and I were talking beforehand, and and I remember asking you the question about what you do at Hagley Oval, wouldn't the toss ball first, and and we spoke about not having spinners in our sides, and South Africa won the second Test match doing the complete opposite. It was baffling to all of us. Uh, when he won the toss, was excited because I was like, okay, yes, ball first, you know, it looks good. No, Dean was like, actually, we're batting first. Have you ever seen Hagley Oval, Oval play like that before? And what does that mean for New Zealand going forward? Because the way Keshav Maharaj bowled kind of gave me a sense that somebody who can bowl spin needs to be there somewhere in the top six. Um, but I do know the whole Colin de Grande and Rachin Ravindra argument was set to win Colin scored that 100. But what did you think of South Africa's tactics in that second test um, regarding adding the spinner and also uh, winning the toss and batting first? I think it was really, really brave. 
Um, and I remember when I read Twitter and I saw that Dean Algo had won a toss and he decided to bat first. I was like, oh my goodness, what is he doing here? Uh, but um, obviously they looked at the pitch and they knew the pitch wasn't the same kind of deck that was dished up on the first test. It wasn't as green. Um, and it did offer some assistance early on, but he backed himself mm. um, to get through that. And, and as you saw, as um, the day went on, um, it became easier to bat on, and the New Zealand bowlers couldn't keep the movement that they did. Um, and through that, they were able to get that, that that first innings advantage. It didn't really break up to 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 suit Maharaj either. Um, New Zealand mm. pitchers don't tend to do that. It wasn't a you know a Bunsen burner on, on day four and uh, day five, but it did offer Maharaj just enough assistance. And to be fair to Maharaj, he bowled superbly well. Um, wasn't as as I said an extremely turning track, but he bowled mm. so much control. And he only just had to get the ball to turn enough um, to trouble um, the New Zealand batsman. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, he was very consistent. I think that's that's mm. the what, what, what made when we were just discussing. Um, Paul and I were discussing uh, after the first test what was South Africa needed, and it needed somebody just to give a hundred percent, be very consistent. And somebody who's never let the side down, and that's Keshav Maharaj. Mm. When he's always played, he's always given 100%. You could argue there were a few players that definitely did not do that at the first test from a South African perspective. Um, from a New Zealand perspective, uh, I'd be interested to see what you thought of this. When coming into the series, uh, obviously all the talk was about Bolt, if he was available. Uh, but when he was not available for the first test, I think... I was thinking of Jamison. I was thinking yeah. that Jamison was going to have a real, a really good uh, an effect, similar in in the vein of uh, Marco Janssen with the height, the bounce, uh, ability with the bat as well to hit the ball yeah. a long way. But uh, I was very disappointed in his performance, particularly in his bowling. It looked largely uh, toothless throughout the series. Mm. What, what what do you think? What are your thoughts on on his performances throughout the series? Yeah, I mean, look, um, you're right. I mean, he looked really average throughout the whole series. And as you point out, you've got another tall timber in the South African side, Michael Janssen, who completely outbowled him in the series. Mm. And he's only just a, a newcomer to international cricket. Jamison looked like he lost or didn't have that kind of spark during the series. Mm. I'm, I'm not sure whether it was lack of cricket or um, I'm not sure what it was. But I guess we also got to remember that at some point, his averages were going to normalise somewhat. Mm. Now, at one point, he was averaging, what, 13... Um, in, in test cricket and um, so I guess at some point something had to happen in his career and for us to, to, to normalize a little bit I mean we, we saw in India and um, he wasn't quite at his game over there and um, you know parts of the series in Bangladesh he bowled well but wasn't as dominant as what he was when he first arrived in the international scene against India so like I just think it's just a, a bit of a, a learning curve for Cole Jamison that you know and um, that you're not always going to have it your own way you're not always going to have pitches that are green you're not always going to have um, batsmen that are afraid to face you. And, and I think one of the advantages from a South African perspective is that they're used to playing against a, a bowler in the same height as Jamison who gets similar bounce. Mm. Um, so facing Jamison probably wouldn't have been as challenging uh, for them as, say, India um, coming up against someone like Jamison, um, especially when they played a few years ago on a pitch that was similar to Hagley that was really green. Yeah, that's, that's actually quite a... Because it was really surprising because you kind of felt like you needed someone to come and bowl and, and, and 
and, and break their back and try and attack the crease as much as possible. And 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 I understand Jameson's like like two meters tall, and so it. it but you you kind of felt like the he was bowling a very pretty ball. Um, it's a similar characterization that had to mark Vian Mulder, where it kind of felt like he was landing it, the ball was swinging and doing everything, but he wasn't actually trying to uh, give you effort in it. And, and I'm not saying like obviously. This guy is an international cricketer, so he has to give you something. But he wasn't as attacking. If you look at the way in which Cajiso and Marco bowled in that in that second match, where they were always just looking to try and 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 put the batters under pressure, felt Jamison wasn't there yet. And I think the first test kind of maybe had a, had an influence because in that first test, obviously you saw that seven four that seven four from 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 Matt Henry, uh, and we really really enjoyed watching that spell. But did but where would you characterize the New Zealand bowling effort in, in, as a whole um, throughout this test series? Because obviously you had a great time in that first test, um, but then also you also that second test wasn't as 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 great. Um, where would you like? Where would you characterize this entire thing? Because obviously South Africa came out undercooked, but New Zealand still bowled really well. I mean, as a whole, I'd probably give them a pass, Mike. Like I'm obviously in the first test match, they were exceptional. You know, Matt Henry, seven for 23, um, one of the best bowling performances by a, a New Zealand bowler. And it was incredible to watch, especially because he mm. came into that test, into the test series with a test bowling average of close to, I think it was around 50. Um, so, you know, I think he probably would have enjoyed that spell because they got his averages down a lot, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> but, you know, he bowled superbly well on his home ground and he bowled mm. with really good pace. Um, and he's always had the ability to move the ball. And, and I think for him, like he would have taken a lot of confidence out, out of that particular um, innings because he's always someone that has shown a lot of promise with the Black Caps, in particular in white ball cricket. At home in domestic cricket, he's he's always been one of the best bowlers in, in four-day cricket, um, but he's never really um, exerted himself in the international game. Kind of been in and out of the New Zealand side a little mm. bit. And um, it's only been in the last, say, you know, six months or so that he's kind of had a few back-to-back test matches. And obviously with without Trent Bolt being there, he was able to cement himself. Um, look, I think from a New Zealand perspective, like the New Zealand bowlers have always been able to bowl well on, on pitches that have, that have suited them, um, or there's been some overhead conditions. Because I think that's another thing that people don't consider about about New Zealand as well. A lot of people look mm-hmm. at the, the green pitches, and they think, okay, the ball is going to move around. That, that is correct. Obviously, the pitch is very vital um, to get movement off the scene. But we've also got to look into the the fact that if the overhead conditions are not overcast or humid and not offering any swing, then that's also a factor. Um, and we saw in Hangley mm-hmm. Oval, though Dean Alga won the toss on a, on, a, on a pitch that offered a little bit of assistance early on, the actual overhead conditions were actually sunny. Mm-hmm. You know, so so even you take into that, it's, it's easier for the batsmen and more visible uh, for them, easy to see. And the ball wasn't kind of moving around as much. So I think we've also got to take into account those factors as well. But I think from a New Zealand perspective, look, New Zealand's going to get used to bowling on pitches that don't, or, and, and in conditions that don't always mm. suit them. And I think in the, in the second um, second test, what South Africa did really, really well was they really blunted um, the New Zealand opening attack. I think they batted extremely well. I mean, Alba and Irvi in particular, um, they got the runner going early on in that, in that first session. I think at the end of the day, you know, the South African run rate was, you know, two point. Six two point seven, but early on, early on, um, they were going in great guns, and then there was a period straight after lunch as well, and mm-hmm. they, they lost um Elga, but Markram and uh, Irvi again pushed it on a little bit, 
and attack New Zealand bowlers straight after lunch. So when New Zealand thought they might have had a little bit of an opening, they kind of pressed mm. ahead. Um, I think all in all, New Zealand bowled well um, in the inter-restricted South Africa 364. But I think scoring 364 always kept South Africa in the game. And I think that was, from a South African perspective, it was really important just to stay in there, especially after pretty much the game being over after mm. the first innings in, in the first test. Yeah, um, I'm going to break protocol here, Tim, but I was really happy um, to I was really happy to watch South Africa score over 350 runs in a test match. So that was like, I was like, oh, wow, this is this is the first time in a while. But anyway, Tim, I'm going to ask you this from a bowling perspective. Where did you how would you characterize South Africa's effort throughout the throughout the series? Do you give them a pass mark? Because I, I honestly think there were some bowlers there that kind of didn't hit their straps and and. It, it was like, I think I look at it, it was Gathiso, it was Marco, and maybe even Keshav in that last test that actually put their hands up. Whereas the rest, there's still a lot of questions around it. Well, we can we can guarantee that, that when he's fit and available, Lukey will definitely be coming in. <laughs> but, um, so, that, so that's sorted. But uh, I actually thought the Sepamla, for large parts, bowled mm. well. I thought he definitely deserved that wicket in the second innings. I thought he bowled in that in that spell uh, to um, Conway. He was really mm. really impressive. I think for large parts um, he was he was really good. Uh, so I, I definitely would give us a, a pass pass, particularly mm. in what we saw with the first Test match. To me, there were plans in this Test match. There were plans, and there mm. was a lot more discussions between captain and bowler in this test match. Uh, they didn't, there was not a lot of that in the first test match. Actually, I, I hardly saw that, that go mm. on. But they were definitely... Oh, and the, and the field <laughs> placings, field placings were, were, were also very interesting. Didn't always work mm. out. Uh, Conway was dropped on six, but there mm. was a t- particular three men on the leg side behind square for that shot. So I, I, I think it all round was a good performance for the ball. Adam, what do you what do you think of South Africa's bowling attack now having seen all, all the guys um having bowled? Uh I look I think they're up there as one of the top bowling lineups in the world when you think about depth as well. Mm. And we think Nagidi wasn't in the team, we think that Nokia was in the team, we think that Dwayne Olivier was in the team. So that's three quality mm. fast bowlers there on the sidelines as well. So um, I, I think for South Africa, the, the challenge is going to be trying to fit all these guys into into the eleven. And also, I think in terms of the batting side of it, um, you know, mm. Mulder batted at, at number or batted at number seven, but for me, yes. he's still not quite a quality all rounder at the moment. And either facet, so that's going to be the for me the the question mark who bats at number seven. And look, look, obviously, Rabada for me is like one of the top five bowlers in the world. Um, he might even be the best bowler, depending on on what country you come from, who you support. I mean, he's definitely for me up there. What Pat Cummins is, mm. is the best fast bowler in the world, no doubt about it. Twenty six years of age. If he if he plays for another ten years, he could easily go over five hundred Test wickets um, and be maybe considered one of the great greatest bowlers of all time. He, he's that good, and I think he really showed that in the mm. second test. He he bowled his heart out. Um, and the one thing I love about him is just how much energy he brings. Um, he looked a little mm. bit flat in the first innings. And, and yes. I think we need, need to consider that, you know, from a South African perspective, look, they were in a hotel for, what, for 10 days. And they come out of a hotel only a few days out, no practice matches, and then come up against a New Zealand side that was ready and hungry. Um, so 
Dollars really disappointed with how South Africa played in the first test. I think we need to also take into account those kind of factors as well. Um, and then mm. a few drop catches as well. I think Henry Nichols was dropped um, early on in this spell. Wagner was. And you take those catches, and then suddenly maybe New Zealand are bowled up for 200. Maybe there's more confidence when you go into bat. Um, and then the game kind of changes. Not saying South Africa could have won, but the complexion of that game changes. Um, mm. So I, I kind of feel as if, from a South African perspective, like the one thing that they really showed is how much talent they've got with the ball, in particular yeah. in, in this test match. Um, some parlor bowl superbly as well, I thought, at, at times. You know, his spell mm. to Devin Conway probably kind of changed the game in a way. Oh, on that the ball. Oh, yeah, yeah, word. exactly. <laughs> Conway was all empty on 92. Yeah, and if he bets <laughs> could be a drawn test match. So... Mm. I was wanting Devin to score 100 that day. Um, I was willing him on. I was like, okay, it's fine. Let's get Devin to 100, and then we'll take the six wickets afterwards. But Lucha had other plans. I agree with you on Vian Mulder, and here's my suggestion going forward for this team. I would say Marco Janssen has proven himself to be a much more a handier batter and a much more of a number seven. See, having seen him play against England, uh, India, he scored a couple of handy 30s. Even in this last test match, him and Keshav gave us something. Extra it took us took us from about two eighty to about three sixty, and 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 I, and I like the fact that maybe if Marco bats at seven, Kesha bats at eight, Kafiso at nine, you have a very strongish tail that has the ability to put uh, bowling attacks under pressure that are tired or dig in if digging needs to to happen. So I think that's where it is, and I think Vian needs to go back to domestic cricket and try to sort it out because I think we have a gem in Marco with bat and ball. Um, the other thing for me, from a batting perspective, Adam, I looked at New Zealand. You spoke about some of the guys who need to put their hands up. There's no Kane Williamson. Henry Nichols is in the side. Matt Will Young's in the side. Um, Tom Blandell's looking to make a name for himself. And largely, they came through um, in, 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 with the bat, regardless of what happened in the last test. There were runs that were scored in the last test. Colin Legrandum even scored a century. Uh, there were three centuries in the last test. So it kind of gives a sense of, uh, where, where do you look at the guys? And obviously, have they put? Have, are the guys who put their hand up to say that maybe I want to take the Ross Taylor role because we know Kane Williamson's coming back? How New Zealand looks in the next few tests is going to be really interesting. I would assume that Devin Conway just slips back into number four, which means Henry Nichols bats at number five. And um, I think Colin mm. de Gromholm has proved that you know he's still capable at this level. Um, you know, it's a great hundred that he got uh, under all sorts of pressure. It was kind of. Uh, akin to like Chris, what Chris Keynes used to bat off in New Zealand, um, you know, many years ago. Um, you know, Colin DeGromo has always had the reputation of being a great hitter, but not also mm. necessarily someone that gets runs when when we need it the most. And he did it on this occasion. And I think when I look at the New Zealand's batting line, it looked really thin in places, absolutely. I mean, Daryl Mitchell's a fine um, domestic player and he's done well, but he's not Kane Williamson. Massive hole at the top of the order and still... Um, Look, Tom Latham has got a great record, but his performances against South Africa um, are less than, mm. than desired. I mean, he's averaging, I think, nine and a half against South Africa in his cricket, and he's struggled against, you know, really good bowling lineups, like Australia mm. um, and, and the like as well. Um, so, you know, he had a really poor series by his lofty standards. And then Will Young, I think, is really struggling as well. I think from memory... Um, what New Zealand's openers what combined for what um, like four runs in the in the whole in the whole second mm. test I think I think someone said I think I read on Twitter it's the lowest um, contribution by an opening partnership in his, his history of test cricket 
Well, I have no way. Hold up. Well, I think South Africa holds that record. <laughs> is, it, is it typically it's got four ducks? Four ducks in the entire series. So, so, so basically in the test match, so New Zealand, mm. New Zealand openers in, in total. Oh, wow. Over the four innings, scored four runs. That's what they don't think we. No, but like I, I look at like the moment where remember when, when Keegan Peterson started in the West Indies team where it was like he was like that. Yes, I get okay, our opening partnership, one one of them fails, the other one scores rights. And they, they alternate uh, yeah. between them. So maybe that's that that's that is true. Because I was like, no, but South Africa have done something similar. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past all, Yeah, that's that's the thing. We always start badly, but not not both of them. They don't both go out for nothing. That's that, that's the difference. That's the difference. We even it we, we even it out a bit. Um, the other thing that, that concerned me, particularly mm. on that last day, when they lost one wicket at, at between beginning and lunch, I thought, well, oh, crikey, the last two sessions are gonna be really, really tense. Um, you know, you guys could could definitely save it. And then although the South African bowlers did bowl well. Four guys got out to the short ball. The plan was the, the fielders were out there for the for the short ball, but four guys in a row got out in virtually exactly the same manner. And I, I was I was like, surely they know that this is a draw, they need to draw the test match. They're not gonna win it. <laughs> yeah. I, I was I was very very concerned. Um and when I was when I was on commentary when it was the last wicket. I was getting irate because and it worked, but I was getting irate because Rabada kept bowling short. And I was going to 10 and 11, top of off. Please, somebody bowl top of off. <laughs> but um, what, what, what did you think of that? The fact that our, our short plan worked? Uh, I mean, it... and, and, and the way that New Zealand played got, got sucked into play, short, short delivery. Time and time again, I, I thought New Zealand's approach on the final day was really um, baffling, um, to be honest. And they seemed like they just wanted to play shots. I mean, the Colin de Gronholm one actually was, when you think about it, it probably was there to be hit and he hit it straight to the fielder who, who took a terrific catch. Because when you watch that in the real time, that was incredible reflexes. Um, but mm. yeah, you're right. I mean, look, it's a test match. Surely you just want to dig in. And we've seen examples of. Of, of great players over the years that have dug in on the final day to save Tess or nearly save Tess. I mean, A.B. De Villiers and Faf Duplessis on a couple of occasions um, come to mind. You know, guys that just want to grip and, and hang in there um, and, and, and take the odd ball to the body. But there was none of that. You know, even Cole Jameson, when I, when I was watching him bat, you know, I thought to myself, why can't you just take a couple on the body here? Hang in there. I, I felt like he was scared. The shot that he got out to for me kind of, was a, a sign that he knew that he couldn't handle the short ball anymore. He wasn't prepared to take any on the body. And he, and I think he just felt the pressure and was trying to head out. I think he was trying to hit. He was trying to play those shots to to, to basically stop the, the bowlers from bowling that delivery because he couldn't handle it. And I think and I think mm. Saldi was a little bit the same. He, he took a couple early on. And then at the end of it, he was like, well, I can't handle this anymore and head out. And, and I think it was just um, utter pressure. Um, I guess it's a little bit different than a, a top order batsman like a Pujara or a, mm. you know a, a De Villiers or a Faf Duplessis taking you know um, 
balls to the body and, and being able to handle it. I guess when you're batting it that, that down, you know, down the lower order, um, obviously it's, it's a lot. It's a lot harder, and the, uh, the pressure um, got to the guys. And I think they just um, didn't know how to handle it. Really, um, Tim. Let me ask you about our batting. I think we we saw two different types. Saro made his debut. We're happy about that. We're really excited. On day one of day test one, we didn't want to bear Hamza. We wanted Ryan Rickleton. There were so many questions about that batting lineup and all the drama. But at the end of the day, how would you characterize our batting throughout the entire series? As well as, are there any people who you had questions about that you still have questions about now? And I'll start. Um, Aiden still has a question mark over him. He's the only one in that batting lineup. I think Calvarena answered all my questions in that in that with that hundred. Um, even though his, his technique's still wonky, we've we've seen wonky techniques work, and that kind of worked um, in that day. Even though I, I kind of felt like New Zealand were being very generous, bowling short, bowling wide, and not bowling on the top of off. Because if you do that, he finds himself in trouble. But Tim, our batting, how was that? How did you find it? Who still is uh, on the hot seat? Well, yeah, we've already discussed the first test, and that was. That was as, as bad as it, as it can as it can get. Um, I'm I'm with you. Uh, it's time to say um, thanks, Markham. You need to go back to first class cricket and make sizable runs, not just you know averaging forty, you know proper runs. Uh, so he he needs to. He's got eight hundred in the last season. Eight hundred runs in like what is it? Eight games. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually nine hundred by the way. It was eighty over thousand runs. It needs to do that again. That's 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 it. Okay. Um, the one issue that I do have, and the one issue mm. I do have, and and I do worry about it, mm. particularly when cricket South Africa does not have a great history with communication. I just hope that the communication with Ryan Rickleton is a solid mm. one. That he knows mm. where he is, and he knows that he's close to selection. Um, that there isn't muddle thinking, um, particularly with the guys now going to the to the IPL for the Bangladesh series. Mm. Ryan Rickleton has to play against Bangladesh. Yes. He absolutely mm. has to play against Bangladesh. That is a certainty. Carvalho um, played played exceptionally well. Yes, the um, large part of the innings, New Zealand gave him what he wanted. But you can only do what you play up against. Mm. 136 is nothing to be sniffed up, sniffed about. Yes. Um, Saul Irvia, fantastic hundred. Because there's a slight, just a slight thing now. You don't want a hundred, six, four, three, two, one, nine, eleven, a hundred. That's a that's you don't want that. right <laughs> That's what you don't want. And that's where yeah. he is at the moment. That's, you know, mm. so three failures and 100. Um, so that's that. just a one, one to keep keep an, keep an eye on. Um, How long do you also, give him? How long do you give him? Do you take him to England as you open up? You, no, you, you take him to England. No, no. You, so that means Aiden is not, not going to be playing in England. He'll probably be on the bench. Aiden is the bench. Aiden is... For me, I'm telling Aiden, you're a reserve batsman. I'm telling him, I'm telling him right now. 
You are a reserve okay. batsman. Whatever you okay. do in the next two months. Big calls here. Big calls here on the full quarter podcast. Do um, well. Adam, <laughs> Adam, what do you think about batting? Um, uh, when, when you look at it, obviously, it's nice to hear an outsider's perspective of what you thought of how we handled and who the guys you thought um, we should take forward. I'm, I'm going to talk about Aidan Markham because I think he's a really interesting one because his form in T20 cricket over the last year has been great. And I was thinking about Johnny Bairstow when I was thinking about Aidan Markram a little bit. How Johnny Bairstow at one point was was a really, really good test batsman who suddenly his white ball form exploded and then his his test cricket kind of fell away a little bit. Obviously got 100 in Australia, which was great. But, you know, he's never kind of reached those heights again. And I kind of thought about Aidan Markram. And I know Aidan Markram mm. quite, hasn't quite hit the white ball levels of Johnny Bairstow. I know some American fans probably mm. hope that he does over the last the next 80 months. But I wonder whether there is kind of like a little bit of a, a, a bit of symmetry there with, with his form kind of in, one, in kind of short ball cricket versus mm. now in test cricket. Because even in the second innings, he didn't look like he knew what he was doing. Like he was he was on um, zero for a long, long, long time. He didn't know whether he wanted to hit out. Yeah, whether he, wanted to, whether he wanted to play strokes, whether he was playing defensive. I mean, he was rock solid in defense, but there was no kind of sign of him wanting to get to, to manoeuvre the strike. So I'm wondering whether he's kind of just got into that kind of mode at the moment. Um, and I think that's probably a thing with Adam Mark, and we all know his ability, you know, his, his record from over the, over the last, you know, four or five years has been has been incredible. He's one of the most talented batsmen going around in South African cricket, even in world cricket. I think he kind of, he's, he's lost his way a little bit. And I wonder whether it's more around his approach at, at the moment. Obviously, there's a few technical things as well, but he just doesn't seem to know how to, to really start off and construct an innings. And even we saw in the first first innings, you know, he got a nice 40-odd, mm. um, but then he just played an aggressive shot and got out. I thought that was a time for him to really step up and get a big score. I, I actually am a massive fan of him, and it's quite funny when you're a fan of, of overseas players and you've watched them play against your own team. Hey, there's this party that kind of roots for them as well because you think they are, you want to see them succeed. Um, and, and I've always been in an Aidan Markham camp, so... Um, mm. I hope that he kind of finds his form against England. Um, that would be great. Um, Irvia obviously better great. Um, what a mm. what a what an innings by him. He, he really took it to the New Zealand bowlers on, on, on that first day and kind of set the tone. And got out at probably a, a time that kind of gave, that could have given the initiative back to New Zealand. Mm. But um, you know, I think he's, he looks like a solid prospect. Rassi Vanderdas, and again, when you look at how good a player he is in one day cricket, and now. He hasn't, again, he, his approach in test cricket doesn't mm. quite seem to be consistent. He's a good player. You can see it, but then gets out at, at, at wrong times. Um, Verena, I mean, what an innings he played um, under all sorts of pressure. You know, that was massive. I, I did think that Rabada played for me a bit of a game-changing innings because he kind of turned yes. that. He came in. He played with just no fear. We talked about how good he was bowled in that test match, but his mm. fielding, was great that catch of, of, of Jameson that went miles in the air and he just took it comfortably. Mm. Didn't even look like dropping it. His 47, he came out oh, and he took man. the tap to the New Zealand bowls. And that swung the game yeah. in favour of South Africa. It kind of gave South Africa, hey, we can win this game. Mm. Three yeah, and what I mean, a different yeah. story. Yes, and, and, and that's that's and, and, and that period after lunch with him and Verena, it was actually Kakiso alone because Verena was on the other end and he was still like chilling, like I don't know what score it was, it was like maybe 90. And Kakiso was just going at him and, and sixes and fours. And and, and 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 I think we can 
Tim, and I'm going to ask you this. We, I think with that, with those three, Keshav, Kachisa, and Malka, if one of them hits, that makes, that gives the balance of the side a lot much better than 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 than, than necessarily trying to put Vian Mulder in there at seven. Um, and and you can work with with those three, and it's it's one of those three who's going to come good. One of them has to come good. It's kind of like that India formula where they used to have like a Jadeja at seven, and then they'd have um, uh, and Jadeja was always good. And then uh, when they played at home, it was Jadeja, Ravi Ashwin, and one of the two was either going to score runs. Um, but Rassi Fanadisson, Tim, to you, a lot of people are crying for him to go back. They think he's not the type of guy we need in the side. What do you make of Rassi? Um, and in test cricket, and is it time to move away from him? I know he's 32. I'm turning 32 this year. I don't think you should throw people away at 32. But if if if, if South African cricket fans want him thrown away, what do you say to that? It's a tricky one. This is a tricky one, uh, and, and and I think uh, Adam Adam says it about right. He's done okay. He's done okay. Nothing more than that. Um. I've been concerned about him in this format for about 12 months. Mm. And I've been sort of in between. Because outside of Ryan Rickleton, there's nobody that is going, pick me, pick me, pick me. There's nobody that is that is putting their name mm. forward 100%. Um, but it's certainly one I would keep an eye on. It's certainly one I would mm. keep an eye on because it is a little bit of a concern averaging early 30s. Um, he's not scoring the runs that we need. Mm. So we are still relying too much on the Dean at the top to blunt the attack and score runs where we need we need more runs from people like him. So it's... it's No, I wouldn't drop him. I'd, I'd be playing mm. uh, against Bangladesh, but it's certainly one I would keep an eye on. Yes. Um, to close off this, this this podcast, guys, Adam, where does New Zealand go from here? Um, literally, which country in the world do they go to? But from a team perspective in the test arena, um, World Test Championship points are looking a little bit bleak because you've now split series between South Africa and India that you, and South Africa and Bangladesh, that I think you should have won. Um, but where does this team go from here? I think there's going to be a lot of soul searching about some um, positions in the New Zealand batting lineup. I think that's that's for certain. I mean, I, I think you know we, we discussed in the second innings, um, sorry, in the second test match, the New Zealand batting lineup looked really thin at times. I mean, albeit against a really good bowling lineup, mm. we need to we need to acknowledge how good South Africa are, how good Rabada is, and he and he's made a lot of great batsmen throughout the world look like bunnies. So, um, from that perspective, you know, sure. South Africa have bowled extremely well, but I think New Zealand sold a lot of vulnerability that they haven't shown in the last few years. And I think the one guy for me that New Zealand miss a lot, Shorts Kane Williamson, and he's an incredible generational batsman, one of the greatest batsmen of this generation. Um, but it's BJ Watlin, because he was always mm. someone that would always fight with the tail and he always gave confidence to the tail. I think they're missing his steel in there. New Zealand doesn't quite seem, doesn't quite seem to have that kind of solidity in, in the lineup um and, and i think ross taylor i think i mentioned in, in our preview podcast that though he's not mm. or he, he wasn't in great form prior to retiring it's still ross taylor and he adds a mm. lot to the dressing room and, and i think new zealand now are going to have to look at the side and go well is this the, the the best you know batting lineup we can have going forward and i think even in terms of, of, of going forward on, on 
being able to play on different pitches because we've seen this New Zealand mm-hmm. side beaten in India pretty comprehensively in the, in the second test, uh, narrowly avoided defeat in the, in the first test over there, played against Bangladesh on a feather-bared pitch um, mm-hmm. and, and got got beaten by maybe the biggest upset in the history of test cricket, I would have, I would have thought, um, considering Bangladesh were humbled at home mm-hmm. against Pakistan. South Africa now beating them at home. And, and, and in a series that we probably on paper think we should have beaten you guys i mean it's not the greatest South african side of all time it's obviously mm. these quality players and you guys are rebuilding a lot um but it's not the ab de villiers it's not hush Mumla, it's not mm. you it's not, not the team that came in 2017 no no, no it's not delander stain more <laughs> <laughs> i missed anybody else out yeah, so there's even like guys that uh, not only South African greats, but some of the greatest cricketers mm, that the world's world. ever seen. Um, yeah. So this is touted as New Zealand's one of New Zealand's best sides, arguably, obviously, with a couple of players that weren't in the um, WTC. But I think from a New Zealand perspective, like I think there's going to be a lot of looks over mm. over the shoulder now because it's going to be hard for New Zealand to make the World Test Championship now. I mean. Mm-hmm. What, 50% real killed at home. You've got to go to England. I think New Zealand should compete with England over there. England are a bit of a rabble at the moment as well with mm. their test team. Come back, I think we've got um, we've got Sri Lanka. I can't remember who's mm. the next. I think we've got Pakistan, actually, in Christmas. So, yeah, I think New Zealand's going to have to, to look at the balance of the team as well. Um, a few guys getting a little bit older. Though Neil Wagner, mm. really well. He's in his coming up mid-30s. You've got Saldi's. Um, you know, 32, mm. 33, Bolt's been out injured. Um, Jameson had a bit of a, a poor series by, you know, his standards, which he said early on in his career. So, yeah, I think um, I think from a New Zealand perspective, I, I think trying to construct a team that's suited to, to the conditions that they face is going to be the, is going to be the objective. Um, Tim, I remember I was chatting to you earlier before we started about um, it feels to me like it's an opportunity lost because we start these test series so badly. And I don't want to use the MIQ as an excuse because you knew this was going to happen. It's not like it was a, it sprung on you. You could have prepared, you could have left earlier, you could have done many things. And this reminds me of the World Cup uh, when you had Australia, a uh, weak Australia on the ropes and you just throw it all away. And I know we, we find a way to get these, I don't know, get ourselves out of jail, but in a respectable manner, like, you know, getting knocked out of the World Cup on net run rate or drawing a series against New Zealand with a massive, massive performance. I'm not happy about that. I think this team is playing at a level just below they are. They're actually better than they are. And it was an opportunity to whitewash a New Zealand side at home. And they just couldn't do it. Um, Where do you stand with this team and where do you see this team going forward? Uh, The slow starts have been happening with three different coaches. Mm. So I'm not I'm not actually sure what the issue is, but it, it is certainly an issue. We've had we've had it mm. for we've had it for four years now, three, four years. Um the side itself I don't think it's a, a rebuilding phase. I, I, I don't I don't I, I get that that narrative, but I I, I don't mm. get I don't They're better than they actually are. Yeah. I, mean, I don't They're believe better. that they are. They've been around mm. for a long time. Uh, if you look at the, the individuals mm. themselves, um, you know, from you know, people like Rabada, very young, but he's been around mm. for five, six years. Um, what the problem is, and it has been, again, the same for the last mm. four years, is the batting. 
batting on a consistent basis. Um, and it, for me, it's predominantly we are not picking the right eleven. We are picking we are picking elevens and saying right, that's the five bowlers that's going to win us the game. That's what we've done. Mm -hmm. Every single every single team, that's what we've done. Even with this one, we said Maharaj is going to have an effect on this test match. He's going to get wickets, mm -hmm. and he did. He got wickets. He got very important wickets. My issue is the batting as a whole. Um, still, uh, still issues with consistency mm -hmm. at the top of the order. It's brand new opening pair, so you've got to give them time. Uh, Rossi had very important innings against the in, uh, Indian series, but hasn't kicked on. Mm -hmm. You thought those yeah. four innings that he scored, which were vital, you thought he would kick on. Mm -hmm. um, we missed Timber him as well. You know, yeah. Timber, Timber as well. He said he's had a good, good twelve months. Not a great series, you know. For mm -hmm. by his start, by his standards over the last eleven months, mm -hmm. it was it was a problem. Um, it's missing. It's missing a quality batter in that eleven. That's what it's missing. Well, um, the quality batter doesn't want to score runs. Like that's the problem. Even Markham's the quality batter. He does not yeah, want to score yeah. runs. Like I'm sorry, and like, that one carry yeah. guy with so much talent. And he's just like, okay. But yeah. here's the thing. Bangladesh series, players are away at the IPL because our cricket board is our cricket board. <laughs> what do we do in the Bangladesh series? Because it evens it out. I think it evens it out, Tim. Where, where do we go? I was at commentary and people were asking me teams and things. That mm. even crossed my mind. The IPL did not even cross my mind. It, it clearly should have crossed my mind. Yeah. But it didn't. Um, so... I've sort of written down names of, of the mm. 11, and I can see where they're going to go. We're going to probably have three spinners at the squad because it's going to be a mm. coastal. So George will come in. Um, mm. Then I've got issues again. Hamza was... was yeah, he was underwhelming. Keegan, Keegan is crucial. Keegan is, is crucial. Mm. Keegan is the informed guy. He's scoring runs. Okay, not, not so much for the Dolphins domestically, mm. but at the... Um, yeah. Now, but in the longer format, he's scoring runs. He's in form. He could be the, the key. But mm. there's issues. Rossi's not scoring runs on a consistent basis. Hamza, mm. I'm not convinced about. Uh, Saul Irving is brand new. Mm. I don't want to see Vern Mulder in the eleven. He's not scoring yes. enough. For the, he doesn't justify himself. But Mark Leonson's gone. Mark Leonson will be gone to the IPL. I know, but even. That's gonna. If you, I, I, I would rather have George Linder than Vion yes. Mulder. Play playing spin. coastal, you're playing mm. coastal. Put in George. Sorry. Okay. Or put in, or put in, Harmer. No, no. Mm -mm. We're not there. Harmer, Harmer and my rush together. We're good on. Adam, do you have a final question for us as we close off? Um, what was I about to ask? I completely forgot what I was about to say now. Um, so. Obviously, you know, against you guys, you've just mentioned you're playing against um, Bangladesh. Who do you think will be like the bowling lineup? I know the batting lineup should be pretty similar. Mm. I mean, Dean Alga, um, I'm not sure whether Matt Ma Markram's in the IPL. Mm. Um, Kevin Peterson probably comes back. Um, Bavuma, I think, will be there as well. So, any big names you think will come into the, into the team? 
Um, I think the guys you've seen, so Duan Oliveira will be definitely in. Uh, you'll probably see Lutosu Pamela in there sharing the new ball with Duan, similar to what they did at the Lions. Um, there's an opportunity for Glenton Seaman to get a lot more game time in conditions that are familiar to him. He plays in, in Quebec and on the coast, so that's going to be really nice to see. Um, there's some other youngsters coming through, like Ordneil Bartman, who could get an opportunity. He's very quick. I love him. He's very quick. So I think for me, that's where we're going to be looking towards. And looking at your, like your one-day side at the moment, you guys must be quite a bit excited about um, like the one-day World Cup in a, in a year and a half. Because I feel like South Africa have kind of turned the corner there, for, you know, in terms of some exciting young talent. Quietly confident, that's my answer. Quietly confident. Yeah. I, yeah. I've seen this team throw things away. So um, they are quietly, I'm quietly confident. I don't think um, this team can. Um, I think the Indies series was one thing, but I do think going forward, I think when they play other teams from around the world, they might miss out on a, on a lot, especially from the batting perspective. Really worried about that. I think bowling sorts itself out. Batting at times, you could get some really interesting situations. Do you think QDK will ever come back into the test uh, arena again? If there's a change in coach, I think so. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. I, um, I think if there's a change in coach, he might come back. I was so, just thinking because so, someone new might just go to him and give him what he what he wants. I wondered yeah. whether he he'd retire from test cricket just due to you know obviously he had a um, what a a newborn mm. child, I think, was it in this, around the second test? Mm. And, and also COVID and everything. I wonder whether that might have been a reason he, he dropped out of test cricket. Because, um, yeah, it was it was kind of a strange decision to, mm. to retire when he did. Uh, maybe mm. want to spend more time I, I, with family. I think that definitely played a part. Mm. I think he's one of the one of the guys in that in that squad that really did not like the bio bubble lifestyle. Mm. He really didn't like it. Uh, prior to his retirement, he even asked for a break and, then, and he was given a break and he went out fishing. Um, like he just needed to switch off completely. Uh, I do think it, it affected him. Hotel to hotel, mm. locked up, not going. I think it definitely affected him, whereas an, other individuals didn't. It affected them, but not as, not as extremely. Mm. Not, not as to an extreme as it did uh, Quinton. Yeah. Because it is kind of strange. You know, you wonder whether maybe is it has he just lost his, his love of test cricket? Because, I mean, his test cricket form over the last year or two, he's been really, really good. Yeah. You think of the series in the West Indies, and mm. I know Verena's, you know, had an incredible test against New Zealand, but, I mean, you had Quinton Cock into the mix there. Wow. You know, it's yeah. just another extra dimension, not just as a keeper, but as a, as a batsman as mm. well. He averages over 40. Um so, I mean, from, from a fan perspective, I'd, I'd love to see him play again. Look, I don't think the door's entirely too closed on Quinton, but obviously it's going to be up to him. And I think if the environment changes, if things change in and around the team or the bio-bubble situation, he might want to come back. And so hopefully we can get that because he was one of the keys in, in opening up games for South Africa, especially tight games over the past five years. Um, Adam, I'd like to say thank you very much for joining us. Um, please do um, please do come through next time we, we have New Zealand or we play with New Zealand, but we really appreciated your time with us. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Hopefully um, we actually get a series mm -hmm. in South Africa. And as another time, we don't have yes. anything to talk about. Uh, yes, we've never yes, been yes. in you guys in South Africa. Actually, we've never been you guys in a test series at all. So um, <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. Much appreciated. Sure.
Cool. Thank Thanks you very much, Adam. Thanks very much, guys. Yes. Tim, thank you very much, my good friend. We've got World Cup preview coming up tomorrow um, for, for the South African women's team. The Women's World Cup starts tomorrow, but they play on Friday. So we're going to be Saturday. We're going to be talking about all of that as well. So, Tim, thank you very much, my friend. To everybody who's listening, remember, you can subscribe to our, our, our channel and we'll see you on the other side. Goodbye, good night, and le sale kakajiso. <laughs>